Okay, here we are in the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiastes, or The Preacher, capital P. Here is King Solomon as an old man after he came back to the Lord and spent his days teaching the people. And this is one fantastic piece of doctrine here. It ties so many of the uh, ends of everything that is throughout the Bible and pulls it together for us. King Solomon and his Proverbs, you're going to see this kind of harmonizing with all that. And yet, this is him, the oldest doctrine we have, of his writings, so we have a lot of wisdom and understanding here. As an old-timer, um, he chose to know folly, to see what was good for him, someone under the sun to do. We all know that he went to the vanities, okay? As he experimented, and that's a lesson for all of us, that you got to watch what you get around too much. See, he could have all the concubines and not have his heart be tampered with and go astray. All right? But that didn't work. So even at his great stage and how much the Lord loved him, that him having this uh, string of concubines and wives as... Samuel himself said this should not happen, that a king should not be collecting wives like this. And uh, in the end, it hurt. Not only did it hurt Solomon and his wisdom and understanding, and it was a mistake, but it also gave the uh, occultists, the enemies, people like the Ptolemy school of thought, the Alexandria school, the people against the doctrine, it gave them room to mock us. And the same with David, and he made the same mistake. Oh, he's going to have all the wives, and God doesn't judge him right there on the spot. Yet, the occultists, the Satanists, get in here and they attack David, and they attack Solomon, both of them. And they pervert everything that was said or done, and it really is uh, irritating to see the occult doctrine start to uh, call David all these terrible names and Solomon. They actually try to say that Solomon wrote all this occult doctrine. That's not true at all. He came back, though. That's the good news. And you don't hear one bad word. Christ talked about him when he was here in the flesh. You don't hear one bad word about him other than his heart went astray. And he admits that he made a mistake here. He, makes, uh, he admits that he uh, chose to no folly as he's experimenting with all these things. See, to know what's good for a person under the sun. And uh, we got to be careful. You can't lay down continually in a bed full of dogs nothing against the dogs, without getting fleas on you, 
All right? You just can't keep doing it. You got to watch your association and you got to watch who you are yoking with. And that includes uh, men to women, women to men. Beware on how you hear and what you hear and make sure you have the Holy Ghost there at all times to guide you. But enough of my talk about it. We're going to see what the old man, the preacher, king of Jerusalem, has to say about the world around us and what is good for us under the sun. So on we go in Ecclesiastes, or the preacher. Chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, capital P, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now what does he mean by that? What is he, you know, is he depressed? No, no. Do you understand that all worldly endeavors that do not profit in the world to come, in your relationship, in my relationship to Jesus Christ, I don't care if you build the Eiffel Tower. It doesn't matter. It's earthly and all earthly endeavors in the old English here is vanity, but the worst of those vanities is idolatry, and he's calling the world around him vanity, because all of that, if you let it, can drag your heart away from Jesus Christ. Three, he moves on, he says, what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun, question mark. One generation, one generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Wise words, wise words, yeah. The earth's going to be recreated, and it's going to go on forever, okay? That's just the way it is. This harmonizes with the whole Bible. Yes, it does, and um, let's see here. Oh, they're giving us a list of harmonization out of the rest of the Old Testament. Here we got uh, Psalms 144, ver uh, verse 4, Psalms 36, verse 6, and 62, verse 9. And we got uh, chapter 2 in this book, 222 and 2.9. Here we got Psalms 104. Uh, fifth verse, 119, that's the doctrine chapter. Um, uh, verse 90. Yeah, there's a lot of verses in that chapter. The doctrine chapter, 119 in Psalms. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The earth abideth forever, ever, because Jesus Christ is going to recreate it all. Okay, now here, notice in 5 how King Solomon is talking about the sun on the move over the earth. Listen to this. The sun, capital S, 
also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to the place where he arose. Is not the sun on the moon, the sun and the moon here on the move, and the earth fixed? Well, sure it is. And that harmonizes with the whole Bible and Enoch and Jaser. In 6, the wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. Okay, and that is explained there in... The book of Enoch, folks, he goes into this and the portholes and how it works and the seasons and the winds and the control of all these elements by who? By the Lord and by his angels. Okay? So now he's went from the heavenlies here with the sun to the winds and their circuits. See? Now we're going to go to the water in seven. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So there is the circuit of the water. See, all earthly stuff he's talking about here. And here is the labor of men. Now listen to this in 8. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Okay, now, in other words, there's a, uh, you're never going to be satisfied worldly, okay? The satisfaction comes spiritually with your relationship with Jesus Christ and doing his commandments and fearing God. There's your fulfillment. But worldly things will never satisfy. And keep in mind here, this king gathered more substance in the earth than any before him and any that came after him. Okay, and here's something about there's nothing new under the sun. Now get this, because people think that we were all monkeys and all this other Doctrine of Darwinism that is given to us by Satanists. You can't believe a word of it. Make them prove every word. Listen to this now. The thing that hath been, it, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Right. You see, the water uh, collapsed on the earth, and the flood came, and eight people, a remnant, was saved. The Nephilim, the giants. What did Christ say? Like in the days of Noah. You see, all things repeat themselves. And you know those giants had technologies that can't be matched when it comes to these great mega lifts. We cannot reproduce what these giants did, and they had perfect astrology. They did. Their grave sites, their 
megaliths or monoliths, all of it lined up with the heavenlies. It sure did. That's why here came the fake Christians, the Catholics, and built their temples right on top of these great megaliths and then excavated all the bones and the graves and everything and gave it to the Smithsonian and hid it from you. How do you like that? Are we going to believe these people out there, folks? Are we going to believe what they tell us after pulling that sham? There's no questioning the bones of the giants. Hey, it's chiseled in stone. How can we believe anything they tell us now after that scam? How can you believe the Pope when the Pope before that and the Pope before that and the Cardinal before that, the Protestants, all of them, they hid this from everybody. The Smithsonian Institute hid the archaeology and punished any archaeologist that would try to tell the public the truth. Folks, it's going to be like the days of Noah. We're fast approaching that. Fast approaching that, and there is no new thing under the sun. But, in the book of Revelation, when the sun's no longer needed and the moon and the stars are no longer in the sky, what does Christ say? Behold, I create a new thing. Yeah. And what is that song? The second from the last song in the Bible. It's called the new song. It's a prophetic song. The new song. Okay. It's going to be sung there in the book of Revelation. In 10 it says, Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, capital S, this is new, question mark. It has been already of old time, which was before us. And that's what we're talking about. There's a whole pre-flood world that had technologies and know-how. The Golden Age, the occultists call it. Atlantis, they call it. That's why they seek to raise Atlantis again in the occult doctrine. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So I was taught that in high school. I was taught that in high school. Not from, my, from the occultists that were piddling around the school. We're going to raise Atlantis. What did they mean by that? Well, I don't even think they knew what that meant. But it means bring back the days of the giants and the Nephilim and the Rephium, the fallen angels, all of that. And God's going to cast it down for good. In 11, it says, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. And that's in most cases, other than our doctrine and our real history here, <laughs> that is basically true. I mean, you can win a state championship wrestling match and everybody pats you on the back, you're a hero for a day. And the next thing you know, you're sitting under a bridge, digging in a trash can, and nobody knows your name. All right, that was my similitude of the 
state wrestler. But in 12, we have a new paragraph. I, the preacher, capital P, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the sun, under heaven, I mean. All things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Again, here's the vanity of the world. What it, what's going to matter when you lay down? When you get rid of this old carcass that's wearing out no matter who you are, no matter how much you exercise, no matter how good your uh, nutrition is, take care of yourself. Someday you're going to go. What is going to matter then? Okay, that's the beautiful thing about being there when someone passes away because it puts you right back in perspective. There's so many things that are done on this earth that just will not matter. 14, it goes on, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, capital S, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, period. So when you're in the flesh, it's pulling against the spirit, you see. Not like the occultist, the Satanist, the sorcerer, the one that's into witchcraft, who believes they can mingle the spirit and the body together. They can have sex magic. They can draw in demons with their orgies, literally. And they believe by doing homosexual acts, they can pull in these evil spirits. But for us, we're taught by Jesus Christ that the flesh is pulling against the spirit the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right. In 15, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. So there's a lot of bad here. We're not talking about a, a road or a wall that's constructed that's crooked. We're talking about crooked people, crooked world that we live in. And we're taught in the Bible that in the last days it's going to get worse. You can't believe your neighbor. You can't believe your mother. You can't believe... Listen, you got to check everything out times 10 to know the truth. Is that what you're doing out there, folks? Because that's what we're doing here. And we've been doing it, and we're going to continue to do it. We're going to weigh it in the balance. We're going to drop that old plumb line down. Is it on the right or is it on the left? Which is it? But back to King Solomon here in 16. I communed with mine own heart, 
saying, capital L, lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me. In Jerusalem, yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. That's a fact. Now, you go back there to uh, First Kings, and you see that. You see that in chapter 430 and uh, chapter 10 and 723, and there, there's no questioning that. He's well known for this and his parables, and they are just a joy, folks. They just are magnificent. 17, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. Okay. All right, so he starts off here. He, he wants to know wisdom. Well, what kind of wisdom? There's an ungodly wisdom also. But knowing wisdom, so far that, that's good. But to know madness, now you're starting to get this drifting away as an old man, listening to the uh, princesses that he uh, was associated with, we'll put it like that, and his concubines and them bringing in the Canaanite religion. And what is the end of that? What is the end of having a cult doctrine, folks? Madness doesn't mean angry. It means crazy and folly. Listen, having 800 concubines is folly, and that is crazy. And there can't be any joy in that. That is just stupidity. So with all this wisdom and understanding that he had, well, I'm just going to peer into this evil. Let me, let me step into that evil to see what is good and what is bad for people under the sun. My friends, you cannot play with a serpent. You will get bit. And King Solomon got bit. So all this thing he did here in 17... He says this, I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. So him tr trying to know madness and trying to know folly and this maybe ungodly wisdom, see, that he was looking at, it bit him like that serpent, didn't it? That's the vexation of his spirit. And he's warning us here. Okay, but how about this? When you start to understand the world and people that are beginners, and uh, our Bible study is strong meat. That's all we've ever done here. We have never done anything else but go to the strong meat. We've always done that, and as far back as uh, four people sitting at the table, and that was it. And even with the CDs, it was it's still the same thing. We had more people, less people. It didn't matter, but we always went to the strong meat, and I don't look for that to change, folks. But people that are new, there's a big-time grief because it's such a shock for them to know that they're stuck in a matrix, that they haven't come out of the womb 
into reality. See? And when they first come out, it's a shock to them. I never went through it, but other people do. Nope. That's the truth. So I'll read the whole thing there in 18. It says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Again, this ain't Mary Berry RFD that we live in. It's not some uh, fancy, funny place out here in the world that's uh, going to get fixed by the great powers, the great elites. They're not our daddy. So you say, do they want to exterminate everybody in the world except for a few? And you say, yes, indeed. Well, how do you know that? Well, they write about it over and over and over and over. Over and over. And, and when that's presented to you, you have to look. Folks, you can't sit here and say, well, that just couldn't be true, but I won't look. Or here's a, here, here they are talking about it. Well, I, I know that makes me scared, though. I don't want to read it. See, <laughs> we're taught in the Bible that will stunt your growth. You cannot stay on the sugar in Christianity. You cannot. You feed on the milk of the word. This is orders from God Almighty. You feed on the milk of the word and you graduate to the strong meat and that strong meat is to know evil. Not to be involved with it, but to know the devices. In Christ's words, be as wise as the serpent and gentle as the dove in the last days. So we are required to do this. And when you see that uh, people in general are so stupid and they're being flushed down the toilet bowl of life, there is some sorrow to it. No doubt about that. When the real world is presented, not the phony one. This isn't some goggles you put on and put the 5G to your brain and it's a paradise in there. No. We're talking about reality here, and we're talking about the words of uh, King Solomon, the preacher here. Okay, and we go on with the vanities of the world. He's going to discuss it. He's going to compare the people that are foolish to the people that have wisdom and understanding. He's going to question it. Is it better to have this wisdom or not? Okay, and there's nothing better for, than joy of joy in the in in your labor. You see, even though you have all this knowledge, you still enjoy your life. You don't allow that to drag you down, because your life is what it's God's gift to you and me. So here we are in chapter 2. King Solomon says, I said in mine heart, capital G, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. So here you are. You're addicted to pleasure. Okay, you're uh, existed to... Uh, Eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow we die. Right? Well, he might not be saying 
Tomorrow we die, but he is saying eat, drink, and be merry here. Pleasure. He's saying he's experimenting here with pleasure. What is he telling you? Doing that is vanity. It's a vexation of your spirit here in chapter 2, in verse 1. In verse 2, I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? Question mark. And that's true. You go into the local tavern, and I don't care what nasty little joke they're telling. They're just all giggling, looking at the TV, and they start drinking, and they're buying each other drinks, and they're giggling at everything, no matter whether it's funny. Tee hee 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 hee. And the giggling goes on. Right? Until they reach a stage where they're starting to get drunk. And then they're ready to fight. The same guy that bought the beer, they're ready to go out in the parking lot and fight. So what is laughter? What is this continual laughter all day about everything? Well, according to the wisest king ever in Jerusalem, it is mad. And mirth? What good is it? Now, I will tell you in Proverbs, he said it can be a medicine. But that's within, that's not overdoing it. We'll put it like that. In other words, so much of, it, of a good thing is good, but it, too much of a good thing can be bad. All right. All right. So, and, and it goes on here about wine. In three, it says, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life, period. And see, he was going to write this down in a doctrine. <laughs> and he did. And we're reading part of that right here. So here he's telling you how he chose to know the folly of things, the earthly things, the wine, women, and loud happy songs here. He, get, he got musicians and dancers and did, did more, than, more than all of us together could have for entertainment. But it's all vanity. Only the things that Come into your heart that are going to be there with you forever with Jesus Christ. Those are the things that will matter, not the earthly things. Listen to this. And he builded more here than all of us in, at, that have listened to this podcast could put together and do. Listen to this. He was the greatest builder of all the kings of Jerusalem. Listen to this in four. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. Five, I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. 
I got me servants and maidens, and I had servants born in mine house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. And that's true. All we got to do is look at the history. In 8 it says, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. Okay, is he saying you can't do these things? No. He's saying that isn't going to get you any fruit in the world to come with Jesus Christ. He's saying all this with a tolerance. None of this in excess because you'll grow tired of the things that are in the world. And they're not because you had all these singers. That's not going to get you closer to the Lord, is it? Or if I build a bigger house than my neighbor, is that going to uh, impress the Lord? Is he going to say, Tom, you're, uh, you get a better chair in the New Jerusalem temple because you be built a great house? That's still a gift from God. It's still good to say to do what's in your heart to do and to enjoy what God's given you. Yes, indeed, but you keep it in perspective because it's a vanity. All worldly endeavors are in a vanity except for the things that are the work of the Lord. That is not a vanity now. Gathering his wisdom and understanding, letting your light shine. Giving it to other people. Helping the homeless. Helping the person that, that needs help. Understanding their doctrine. Things like that. Feeding the poor. Helping the widow and the fatherless. It isn't the size of your house. In 9, he, and, and here we go with him speaking again. He says, so I was great and increased... Uh, more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained and it remained with me. And that's true. And that's why we're getting this as an old man. Then it says, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all my labor period so you see it's not that you can't enjoy the gift from God it's not saying beat yourself with a whip and that'll get you more points with the Lord no he gave you the gift here he gave you the ability and he get, you're commanded to work in this world. That's a commandment to work at all these labors. But it's not going to save you. It's not going to save you, folks. That's not going to get you through that door. And that door is what? That door is Jesus Christ is the door and the way. 
That is what will last forever. Not your joy that you had in all your labor. But, again, he's not saying don't do that. All right, on we go in 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So you got the worldly endeavors. They are a gift from God, but you don't fix your heart on them. You fix your heart on God's doctrine. You fix your heart on his commandments. And you fear the Lord. That's what it's all about. Because looking at all your labors, I don't care. It might be some song you did that you could have never, that you've never done before. And you, you, you played it so smoothly. But again, that's, that's worldly. So here we have the split. Worldly things versus the spiritual things that the Lord loves. There's your divide right there, according to this doctrine here by King Solomon and all through the Bible. That's just a fact. Twelve is a new paragraph. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king? Question mark. Even that which hath been already done. Period. And people just don't get that because they've been, what, programmed. We've been taught that we're evolving and that our flesh is evolving and that men are getting stronger and women are getting taller and we're getting smarter every day. Right? We're evolving. All that comes out of the doctrine of devils, folks. That's the Darwinian theory where man will marry a machine and become a god and worship the works of his hands here. See? There you go, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Look at it. Man will marry machine and will become a god. That's Darwinian. That's 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's the test I had to take at Ohio University. And what is this film? They made us watch Stanley Kubrick, the Satanist film. And what were they doing as a caveman but putting their hands all over this obelisk and a great alignment in the sky? And that old obelisk would start humming away. The energy force was coming through the great phallic symbol, and the cavemen were all standing around it, see? All of it right there. And they had the audacity in a graduate course to make us watch that film and write a paper on it. There. So there they are. 13, it says, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. There you go. Now there he gained something out of it. And we've gained. He made mistakes here, but we're getting the benefit of it so that we don't go do this. 
He's already telling us. Now, what did he find out? Comparing wisdom and understanding to folly. Well, light excelleth darkness here, folks. That's the bottom line. That's what he's saying, and that's absolutely true. 14, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Okay, and what is that? That is that you're going to pass away. Yeah, just because you're wise doesn't mean you're going to live forever in the flesh. You'll live forever. How? With Jesus Christ and his return to earth. But you're, you're not going to have more days. Everyone, every animal, everything has to pass away. Does it not? Unless we're called up hither there in the first sickle gathering. Well into the tribulation. Well into the vials there. Then we're called up hither. But if I passed on before, the people that schooled me as a kid, and they've passed on now, and they'll be at that gathering. So wisdom and understanding, that's real. And the rest of this is what? What's he saying? Vexation of spirit. If you put your heart on the worldly things instead of Jesus. 15, it says, Then said I in, mine, in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And here he asked this question. And why was I then more wise? Question mark. See, and by saying that, by saying that, listen to this, how he answers himself. Then I said in my heart, that, capital T, this also is vanity. What's vanity? Questioning the difference here and saying you're no better. That's really not very good. You're questioning, why am I better than the person that's just an idiot out here? See? By asking that question, that is a vanity. Okay, that's a worldly look at things. All right. 16. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? Question mark. Statement as the fool. So now he's questioning the passing on thing. And he's going to answer these questions as we go through this doctrine here, folks. He's going to talk about dying. He's going to talk about animals dying. He's going to talk about people dying. And he's going to talk about what the Lord loves. Here, this, these questions here, he's not going to just leave us hanging on. So I'm not going to start answering them here. I'm going to allow the preacher, capital P, to answer them as this moves along. But he does answer all these, folks. Now he gets a negative attitude in all this, in 17. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun, capital S, 
is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. You know, that's a natural thing, folks. You know, you look at somebody that's old and they can't take care of themselves. They're still there, though. God's getting their heart ready to go be with him. There comes a time in the world, in my world, in your world, that if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. And if you lose your life for Christ, you'll gain it. So you understand that there is a time and a place where people are going to say, oh, I've had enough here, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to come home. And that's natural. You don't love all this all the way up to the last second. Not unless your name's Rockefeller. All right, on we go in 18, new paragraph. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. 19, and who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Question mark. What we know from the history that his boy was a fool, man. Terrible dude. Terrible. He just was. Uh, Reroboam. Reroboam. And Reroboam was... He was not good, okay? We'll just put it like that. We got to go back to the history book, to our new, our Old Testament here, and go back and, and see what happened with Jeroboam and Reroboam and the calf... The idolatry, the beginning of the kings, and that was that was a bad part of Israel through time, and yet we got all these prophecies. See how even the evil kings that they had, and they had a pile of them. The prophet would come, and it would get written down, and we'd have all these prophecies, not only for them back then, but these prophecies that would be given during the time of the kings would go all the way to Christ's return over and over and over. And that came as the prophet was correct, correcting all these paganistic kings that went back to the religion of Canaan, right in God's face. And yet... We get the benefit of that, folks, because you can't know the Bible if you don't keep plugging away at the prophets. They, all the loose ends come together with the prophets. So his boy, Reroboam, was, was, he was terrible. We'll just put it like that. So 19, and who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool, question mark, yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have shewed myself wise under the sun, capital S. What about that statement? Solomon answers it. This is also vanity. Because, see, he's sitting here pining away over the worldly things. I don't care how big they are or how little they are. You can have a great empire like him or have a humble home. But if you're concerned over what's going to happen when you go to be with the Lord, 
Folks, you're not going to be concerned about worldly endeavors that you did. It's not going to matter to you or me that we won that wrestling match at the state finals. Am I right or wrong? In 21, it says, For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein, shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. Again, this is what happened to him. It is what happened to him. The fact that you uh, are this concerned over the worldly endeavors, because God has it all in control. We're talking about Christ's bloodline and Christ's throne here. God has that in control, okay? He just does. But this whole thing, even leaving your stuff to somebody that doesn't have any wisdom or knowledge, leaving your throne to it. And he spent his whole life doing it and going astray and writing about all of it here. And we are getting the benefit of that. But we're not getting the benefit of his castle or the temple he built for some occult god somewhere or any of that. That ain't going to matter at all. What matters is what he's writing down here. That's his memorial, and that will go on forever. The word of God will go on forever. In 22, it says, For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun question mark so that question is now asked again 23 for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief yea his heart taketh not rest in the night this is also vanity Okay, so let's say I'm upset at X, Y, or Z. Um, somebody wrote a nasty comment on the Internet or something, and so it bothers me, and I'm... Uh, that's dragging me out of the spirit. You can't allow these type of sorrows... To drag us out of the spirit. Does that make sense to everybody? How about you at the table? Does that make sense? We are going to have the trials. We are going to have the tribulations. That's part of our portion. Okay. But now he's, he has a new paragraph in 24. And he's telling you to go on and enjoy the labors of your hands out there. It is not a sin to enjoy what God has given you as a person. As long as you put Jesus Christ first. He's going to explain, look here, anything you put above Jesus Christ, that is something that will drag you out of the spirit. That is a vice because it's, you're putting that before God Almighty, before the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What does he say here for you and me? With a new paragraph in 24, it says, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw 
that it was from the hand of God. So there is our gift. Hey, say you enjoy a family reunion. Say you enjoy uh, the social club down there. Say you enjoy the knitting club. Say you want to go fishing. Say you want to go hunting. Let's say you just got a big deer and a tasty deer on the hoof and it was a blessing from God. Enjoy. That was a gift from God. But you don't allow your heart to fix on that above God or that is a vice. That's like some drug addict. You're addicted to the world and the world passeth away. Okay. And Jesus Christ will recreate it. It will go on forever just like he said here at the beginning of this book. It abideth forever ever, and it sure will. 25, it says, for who can eat, question mark, or who else can hasten thereunto more than I, question mark. So he has more temptations than all of us, folks. And I don't care which one of us we talk about, how much wealth we may have, that is nothing compared to Solomon. So he had the temptations to go through. He sure did. But here, he's telling you to go on and enjoy your life that God gave you when you can. Listen to this. 26, last verse of the podcast. It says, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. All right. So here we are. The man of wisdom and understanding. He's gaining his wisdom. Okay, that's one thing. But to the fool, to the sinner. And he's heaping coals of fire. And God is going to... Uh, Recompense that also to the fool what he deserves. And so the fool is heaping it up. He's heaping up good things to himself, isn't he? Like Rockefeller when he, when he was down in Brazil when he went. But what about it? What about Rockefeller passing on who gathered up heaps of wealth and control and Loved his master, Lucifer. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. So, we got a simple formula here. You can have the blessings that God gives you. You do not attach your heart to those blessings. Everything in focus properly. Worldly things are worldly. Okay? Spiritual things are spiritual. The things like wisdom and understanding that help nurture your soul, that help to refine you, your trials, your tribulations, they're not always easy. But again, your soul is being tried in the fire of, of adversity, say. And in the end, you'll come out refined like gold. But for the people that lay around and love the world and their heart is fixed on it, it is a vexation 
a vexation, folks, of spirit, 